Hello, everybody. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm excited to be here talking about one of my most favorite and simultaneously unpopular topics. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah diving into uh, forgiveness and compassion. That's our focus for today. Um, but before we get started, what's the weather doing in uh, Las Vegas? Uh, Las Vegas is it's nice, actually, it's feeling kind of summery. Uh, but it is very windy here, which is not something I knew about Las Vegas before I moved here. So I've just redone my yard uh, a little bit, a few things, and now everything is just blowing all over the yard. So well, it's, uh, it's good to know, because, you know, I'm trying to find my place to go in the winter. And I am not a fan of the wind, but I could maybe learn to forgive the wind. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so today, How are you doing? today, I, what's happening over there? Oh well, I'm I'm good actually. My daughter came home yesterday from university, her first year at McGill in Quebec, and I'm so excited. She's here for the um, the summer, and uh, it was just nice to spend the day with her and her boyfriend's here, and just awesome. And all my kids are coming on Wednesday for a fun dinner sleepover and Carson's on his way here anyway here we go uh we're here to discuss the transformational power of uh compassion and forgiveness and the connection of the two and um we have some practices to share with you some tips and tools some personal stories we'd love to you know keep watching the chat for questions um and we're going to talk about why this matters and Natalie's going to talk about um, it's her most favorite subject that most of her clients avoid. So, am I right about that? <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. So before we get um, get into it, let's let's talk a little bit though about sort of let's create some definitions, some working definitions for us here today. Yes. What do you say? So um, I, I'm going to take forgiveness, and I think Kathleen's going to take compassion. So forgiveness is really the intentional act of letting go of negative emotions, resentment, anger, blame, um, and releasing the desire for revenge or punishment. Uh, and it's really about moving forward with a sense of acceptance and uh, reconciliation. But interestingly, I just like to think of forgiveness as um, releasing yourself from the chains that bind you to a situation or a person. And so oftentimes, if we have a lack of forgiveness, anger, resentment, however that's showing up in your life towards a person or a situation, uh, the other person quite often has absolutely no idea that you're carrying that giant weight around with you. Yeah. And I think it was Buddha who said that um, anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> it's a very ineffective uh, method. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so that's, that's really the definition of forgiveness. Tell us about compassion, okay. Kathleen, that's a high value for you. It is my uh, biggest aspirational value. And, um, and I, uh, I'll, uh, compassion from my perspective is the ability to see myself in someone else, to have a relationship with what they're experiencing, not identifying with it, but recognizing whatever it is they're expressing, anger, hurt, sadness, because I've had all those feelings myself. And being able to hold space for that, but having no need or desire to take it away or solve it. It's just really trusting in myself and the other person that um, whatever's up 
they can cope with. Um, oftentimes, I think we go so quickly to problem solving and have you done this and have you done that. Um, but when I can get into a real place of compassion, I physically feel warm in my heart. And I find it quite um, relieving, actually, because it I have to walk my talk that I really believe people have their own internal capacity to cope with whatever comes their way. So compassion, as I compare to on a sort of a scale, um, this isn't my scale, but um, it, it works for me. So sympathy is at the very bottom end of it, sort of energetically. And I'm gonna swear in a minute. So if you don't like swear words, you're gonna kind of step away from your camera for about 10 seconds. But my mom used to say, if you want sympathy, it's between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. And um, and it's true. It really is because I looked it up. <laughs> but what <laughs> sympathy is, is kind of more condescending, like, oh, I feel so bad for you. And then empathy for me is the next step. It's really being able to kind of have a relationship with that person and, and empathize and kind of walk in their shoes. But for me, compassion is my biggest aspirational goal to not need the shoes because having this sense that we're kind of all in this container. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense to you, Natalie? Yeah, it does make sense to me. And um, I love what you said. And I think I may have said this on a live on air before, but what it was bringing up for me when you were saying compassion is this ability to be with what's up for someone. Yeah without trying to fix it. And I think of this phrase that will forever be with me, which is to rescue is an act of violence. Oh, yeah. so, so that I remember the first time any, anyone said that to me, I found it so jarring because I would probably resonate with being a rescuer. Yeah. I need to solve all the world's problems and everyone's problems. I should probably have the answer to everything. Who needs God when Natalie's on duty? <laughs> She's got this one. Exactly. And so I, I love what you said about people relying on uh, just trusting that people have the internal capacity um, in that moment of holding a space of compassion for them to also be with what's up for them and and um, maybe figure out what's next or maybe just be with what is. Yeah, the, the being with is required first, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, what's happening right now? Yes. But um, this, I call it rushing to the Kleenex box. We have this urge to, if someone's crying, you know, to, to rush to the Kleenex box to save them from the, the emotion. And what's true is we're really not, I mean, it seems like we're caring for the other person. We're being very compassionate. But we're really, what, what's really true is we're saving ourselves from our, our fear of our inability to cope with someone's strong emotion. And unless someone is asking for the Kleenex, just trust that um, we all have the capacity to cope with what shows up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I love that. So I wanted to sort of learn a little bit on why forgiveness, because um, I, you are right, Kathleen. I, I have long said that if I could teach everyone in the world one thing, it would be a forgiveness practice. Um, and it has been a part of my work with my own clients for a long time. And every single time it comes up, whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one engagement or whether it's in a group program, uh, I experience resistance towards the idea. Mm -hmm. 
And I believe that the resistance is about our natural desire to avoid pain. So um, for most people, the thought of reliving, even for a moment, something where they have been hurt or made angry or feel betrayed is, it's not an inviting, fluffy concept. Right. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't feel like I know what I'll do on a Saturday night. I'll have a lovely time by myself, forgiving all the things uh, that I still carry around with me on a day to day basis. So I get that. But so my wife of forgiveness is um, I would consider myself to be I like to think of myself as a spiritual pragmatist in that. Only if it works and makes your life better. Uh, so Carolyn Miss, it, I think, does the best description of a lack of forgiveness, uh, carrying around with you a lack of forgiveness and or resentment is it's like spiritual constipation. You're, <laughs> you're, you are you are clogged up <laughs> with this negative energy, even and it can be varying degrees. Right. So there are degrees of things that might maybe you think about before you go to sleep at night or you wake up in the morning thinking about them, things that are fresh and or big. And there's also like just um, actually, I'm thinking of the word uh, from the surrender experiment where he talks about them as, uh, I think they're called saskaras. It's like little energetic scars. Mm. We've got all these little energetic scars in our body. So for as long as we are spiritually constipated, carrying these negative uh little scars of things that have gone wrong in our lives and ways in which we've judged other people and ourselves it actually is quite difficult for positive energy to flow through us in the same way so it it blocks us from reaching our full potential um oftentimes something completely unrelated comes up you find yourself triggered. In my opinion, oftentimes something that's triggering you is a past hurt or a past wound or something you haven't been able to neutralize in your energy. So you are, generally speaking, a more reactive person. But for anyone who believes in the concept of being the creator of their own reality, for anyone who believes that we are creating our life through thought and manifestation, a lack of forgiveness blocks your capacity to manifest to the same extent that you would be able to if you cleared out the pipes. Yes, a little bit of metamucil for the uh, soul, so to speak. <laughs> um, uh, what do you think to, to that, Kathleen? Do you have anything to add? Well, I, I, I do think um, that forgiveness is essential for our own growth and healing. And I know that when I pile up the resentments and incidentally, it's so strange. We were just talking about this. You and I are both teaching a class on guilt and resentment to different groups at the exact same time. <laughs> but, but when I build up the score, when I keep the score for how someone I believe has wronged me, um, I just notice that I can get myself back into this sort of real negative destructive kind of spiraling kind of energy and that person may not even be thinking about it so when i think about forgiveness and how to move through it um, i find the key or the tool to get me there and i'm not saying i i do it all the time but it's really through compassion and um and and how that works for me is when i think about the person that has wronged me um, 
and I go way back in my childhood when I was assaulted at a, as a young, at a young age. Um, how do you reconcile that? How do you make the score even? It never is. It never will be. It's like if any of you out there in TV land have been divorced. Has anyone been divorced? You divide up the property equally, but the score doesn't feel equal. So there has to be some forgiveness and compassion and all those kinds of things. So I see compassion as, for me, the way to move on is to say, would I trade places with that person? And if there's anything um, I want in that place, I have some things to work on. But generally speaking, it's a no. And if it's a no, the only thing that I can have left is compassion. Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes, to be completely honest, it's really a an aspirational intellectual exercise. Uh, that's what's true. For me, it's a process of learning and growing and, and um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, just finding a place in that compassion, so. I think I have nowadays a little bit more of a proactive approach to it, because, and I, I, I do think I'm strange in that in that it's almost like I sort of consider it like giving the house a good spring clean, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I wonder where I can find the different ways in which I continue to hold myself back. Yeah. And um, a few years ago, I was wanting to do some work on my money consciousness. It was something that was really up for me. I had a really strong focus on it. And and um, one of the exercises that was suggested through this work that I was wanting to do on my wealth consciousness, abundance consciousness, as it relates to finances, was to go back in time and think about any time in my life that I could remember where I had some kind of energy, like negative energy, negative charge around money. And I ended up coming up with a scenario and I remember feeling really pissed off at the time uh, to do with my dad and um, it had been one of those things for me for years that it's like oh all paths lead to x mm -hmm. like anytime I'd done personal development work when I first started like really digging into it I did my coach certification when I started doing my work with Jack Canfield everything all paths would lead back to my dad and so um, when it came up again with the money consciousness thing I was like oh Okay, here we go again. But what I found when I started to look at it was that I had a resentment towards money as if money were a sibling that got more attention than me as a child. So it was like whatever was happening in my childhood, there was nothing that I could do. This was the story and nobody that I could be to be as interesting to my dad as money. You know, mm. uh, money was more alluring, money was worth more time, all of these things. I had this like, I, I didn't realize that it was there at all. And so I made this like really conscious decision to, um, to forgive, to see if I could release myself from the story. And we're gonna talk about some different ways uh, that you know, Kathleen has used in the past that I love to use as we get to the end of this conversation. But it was really interesting. And the reason that I say spiritual pragmatist with regard to forgiveness is two days after I did that process, I remember sitting there and I filled in a worksheet. I happened to use 
Colin Tipping's Radical Forgiveness. And I was really, really conscientious trying to let it go. And at the time I was living in the UK and two days after I did it, my dad called me up on the phone out of the blue, which first of all, at that point in time was not a regular occurrence. And secondly, he said to me, I was just thinking about you. And I was thinking that where you're living at the moment, you could probably really do with a car. And I happen to have a car that I thought maybe you would like, and you can use it for the duration of time that you're in the UK, which ended up being 18 months which was such an out of character moment for him to be offering something without being, you know, asked or like, oh, you know, could you possibly, not that I even would have done at that point. But I thought that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I let go of this mm-hmm. thing and literally two days later, completely out of the blue, uh, it felt like the energy began to shift. Yeah. And I have experienced similar things with, being proactive around forgiveness yeah. over and over and over and over again in my life. Well, that I, yeah, I love that. And I never had sort of an opportunity to have that kind of exchange with my dad. Um, but I did again, I think because compassion is, is my path to forgiveness. I remember when um, he was healthy and then he, got this strange brain infection and was dead within 16, six weeks. But anyway, um, he asked for me, he wasn't really great with being a dad, but he's out of six kids. He asked for me. So I went there to be with him when he was dying. And, and I, he was kind of losing his mind, so to speak, his memory. He knew me on Monday and by Wednesday, he was kind of like not as coherent. And his wife said, now, Bill, I'm going to go have lunch. Kathleen is going to sit with you um, and I'll be back. And he goes, oh, my Kathleen. And he looks at me and I'm like, I'm going to have that moment with my dad. Like he's going to tell me like how much he loves me and how sorry he is for everything uh, he did. And and oh, it's coming. This is it. You know, just like the movies. And he's like, oh, I love my Kathleen. She was always my favorite. And I'm like, here it is. Get ready. You know, <laughs> he said, Oh, she just never gave up. And he looked at me, he goes, Oh, I hope you get to meet her one day. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment, like I still right now just have that swirly twirly feeling in my body of, wow, it is a compassion is a one person job. I can't require someone else's participation to feel this warmth in my heart. And the same is for a comp- uh, forgiveness, I, I think. But an interesting question from Jane, it's been my experience that people resist forgiveness because they see it as absolution and are forgetting. And I think mm. that's important to address because it is, it, it's about boundaries um, and, and forgiving someone doesn't mean you bring them back into your life and have coffee at Starbucks. So what, what would you, what, what do you want to say about that, Natalie? Yeah, well, I think it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? I personally believe that um, forgiveness is, in my opinion, 100% not for the other person. And I think that oftentimes we have, we can have a relationship with forgiveness, which is like, you know, um, if I forgive, I'm letting this person off the hook. If I forgive, I'm condoning the actions of this person. If I forgive, I'm saying yes to inviting this person back into my life. 
this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I judge what they did as so bad, terrible, hurtful, atrocious, wrong, insert adjective. They do not deserve my forgiveness. But forgetting, in my opinion, that forgiveness is not for them. It is a very personal choice for you. And um, you can, in my opinion, forgive and choose to, if it's the right, I'm, if it's the right decision, we all have our own unique circumstances. You could choose to forgive and never speak to or see that person again mm -hmm. in your life. And for many of us, Kathleen, like you're talking about with your dad, there are instances where even if we wanted to, that person's not here anymore. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And we can forgive. Uh, it's not about condoning actions in my opinion it's not a, you can you can still think what someone did was wrong and forgive them because the forgive the lack of forgiveness the the resentment the hurt the pain is a burden that you're carrying so through compassion or through however it is that you find it you get to free yourself to me forgiveness is about liberation it's about freeing yourself from this you know, sometimes rope or chain that ties you to this painful situation and actually loving yourself first mm. and still sometimes saying, and you're just maybe not a person who I want to have in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that I, I like that you said that because also Richard in the chat, this is so true for me. Uh, he says, the biggest challenge I've seen in my life on forgiveness is that so many people think they have forgiven someone, but not subconsciously, it hangs on and then sneaks up on people in later life. And I, I think, I don't know for sure, but my sense is that it is an ongoing learning process and, and we, we can dissolve some things and then something will happen and it just pops up and surprises us. It's like, oh, and, and if I, when that happens, if I can be like present to it, then I can look at it and say, oh, okay, there's more work to be done and less um, reactive. And I think the key is um, being able to see ourselves in ourselves. But, but I do think we, can, we are and will be constantly triggered through our life because that's the growth process. I, I remember um, I worked with a whole bunch of chiefs of police and um, I was speaking about harassment and, you know, you know, there, there is a history of, you know, sort of sexual harassment and such in every industry, but specifically we we're focusing on it for um, law enforcement and, and in the room where people would work together for 20, 25 years. And some of the people were the, um, uh, the, assaulters, I can't think of the word. I don't know why I can't think of the word. The people that perpetrators, there's the word. Um, others were the victims and others were the bystanders standards. And it happened year, a lot of it happened years ago. It still happens like it's, uh, but we were talking about, you know, how do we move through that and build trust and cohesive teams? And, um, and it's really a difficult place to be, particularly if you're a victim who is like, well, they've been promoted through all the years. Like, you know, why would I, they're getting rewarded. And the, the perpetrator is like, gosh, if I actually 
admit to this? What else is going to show up? What else how, do I have to unwind in my life? And then the person who watched it, like, it's all like taking these courageous acts of forgiveness or showing compassion or even, I mean, off topic, but speaking up or anything, changing a belief requires this whole unwinding of the whole life. So we go back to these old patterns. It's like, Richard, you know, you saying, you know, not like subconsciously, there's still this little itch that needs to be scratched. And what happens sometimes is when people move into trying to forgive or working on themselves or compassion, they get surprised by a moment and go back. And that's why it's so scary to do it because it's like, well, that didn't work. I think, I think the other thing too, Kathleen, is it's like, and I think maybe there's something here with re with the retrograde piece too, that I know that you talk about, mm -hmm. but I, someone told me a long time ago to think of a he healing journey, like the coil of a spring. And quite oftentimes we find something that feels like it needs to be healed. It feels like it needs to be forgiven. And we think, yes, I've done it. I've forgiven, I've healed, that's it, you know, perfect. And then as Richard points out, something else happens in life. And you know, what my point about when I first started doing work, everything I ever did came back to my dad. And that's how I got this spring analogy. And I said, um, you know, I just feel like I'm not making any progress because how can it be that every time something comes up, I'm back here in the same place thinking about the same thing. And this is the analogy of the spring and that if you are committed to your own growth and healing, in my opinion, you constantly winding up that spring and each time you're clearing out a little bit more yeah. and you're clearing out, in my opinion, what you're able to cope with and work with at that time. Yeah. It possibly would be too much for a lot of us to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to pick this scab of pain from the past eras of my life and suddenly everything comes flooding out at once mm -hmm. so i believe that our inner wisdom is such that it gives us something that we have the capacity to work with in that moment yeah and the next time it comes round, it gives us something else that we have the capacity to work with in that moment and ultimately i agree with you i don't think it ever goes away. I don't think at some point we're done. Okay, perfect now. But I do think oh, certainly my own experience is that the more committed I am to my own growth and healing, mm -hmm. the less and less frequent uh, those kind of triggering things pop up connected to the same past wounds. And when they do, I move through them so much faster. And, and I think that's the, the, the retrograde, those setbacks are what allow us to see ourselves and to acknowledge the growth because, wow, you know, that person used to trigger me and I, you know, kind of go in my cave for a week and now it's only six days. Mm -hmm. Um, and, oh, this time it was six hours. So, so acknowledging the work of it, um, but it's, I, I don't, I think for me, a lot of it is an intellectual exercise in my head. And I think I've really 
sort of grown more in forgiveness, compassion and growth and just understanding myself, the more I've connected my head to my body and listening to what's happening in my body um, and tie and my body saying to me, you know, I am good for more than just carrying your head around uh, for conversations, most of them with yourself, but connecting into that and noticing the reaction and saying, you know, what's happening right now? I like this. I don't like this. And we shared uh, a few tools last time about that or in our challenge. Anyway, um, don't, I don't want to get off topic, but I think they're all connected. Um, but this compassion and forgiveness are sort of our pathway through, um, an awakening of a sort. I, I don't know if, what, what the right word is I'm looking for, but it's like this, if I can find my way through to seeing this person as just a person and no one is one thing, you know, there's, there's good things about that person and they did the best they could with what the tools they had. I get that it's difficult with some people, but it also helps me kind of settle into, you know, it's not, it's not just all about me. I don't know if that if that makes sense, but so. Yeah, so Richard says, can you tell us how to work on forgiving a spouse who has brought unbearable hurt to the marriage? And I think that this does connect um, Kathleen to the other question that we, we wanted to talk about, because you're right. It, these things are hard, like the pain that the pain that we experience from, you know, hurt, betrayal, anger, uh, people wronging us that and then they come up you know, this is an example of one situation, but how can we cultivate forgiveness and compassion in our daily lives is our question, especially when faced with challenging situations or people. Um, and I would say for me, and I know that um, this is something that you will speak to powerfully too, is it's like, I, I have certain tools that I go back yeah. to time and time again and the reason is because when i can't see a way through because what i'm experiencing in the moment is so real and raw and painful um one of the things that i will go to well there's two things that that i will go to probably as a first call and one of them is byron katie's the work yeah because i think it is um one of the most powerful tools i have ever come across for helping us see some kind of light in a situation that feels so dark mm -hmm. yeah it, it, byron katie's work i would have to say kept me out of jail <laughs> there was a time and it, it here's the thing you might all out there hear something today that's like oh that's interesting but not know why you heard it um, or you notice something and not know why you notice it, but you noticed it. And it, it comes apparent at a certain point in your life. And this is what happened with the work of Byron Katie for me. First of all, I got to hang out with Byron Katie for four days. It was amazing. It was the most amazing time uh, I, I can say I've ever had with sort of a guru kind of person. She's amazing. Um, but I came to her work when I was very, very unhappy in my marriage and just asked me, my husband uh, did everything wrong. Um, I, I had no part in it, uh, the demise of our marriage. It was all him and I'm being sarcastic if you can't hear the tone, but I came across the work of Byron Katie and I did so many, you do worksheets and you answer four questions 
And the four, four questions, the first one is, is it true? Whatever the situation is, is it true? And if the answer is yes, the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? And the only conclusion you can come to is no, you can't absolutely know anything. So then here's where it really gets crazy. How do you react when you think that thought? Who do you become when you replay that scene? And well, I become angry, I become bitter, I become sad, I become, okay, so who would you be without that thought? I would be peaceful. So then turning the thought around and I might be, you know, my husband is lazy. Well, I'm lazy. Can I find a time that I've been lazy? Well, yeah, okay. And then I, I, I play that over and I did so many worksheets and I, it helped me. I ended up getting divorced for many reasons, but um, it helped me kind of tone um, my feelings. But then where it really mattered was when I had the memory of this assault when I was a young child in my 50s. I was at a 10-day meditation retreat and I had the whole, I replayed the whole thing. And where I came to with my um, questions was the only thing that was left was would I trade places with this position person? Would I trade places? And it's no. So the only thing left is compassion. So it's just like the, the, the questions really help me um, to question my beliefs. And that's all of our work we do with values is having people question their beliefs. And then I go into, and then I know you have a couple of practices, but then I go into um, Pema Chodron, who to me is the most practical guru on the planet. And she has a practice called just like me. And it's like, oh, just like me, um, other, just like me, that guy's getting pissed off in traffic. Just like me, that woman has a short fuse. Just like me, that person is insecure. And the more I can do that, that again, as I've said five times already, is my path to forgiveness is compassion. So those are the things that I combine together. How about you? I, yeah, I remember being, I went to Copenhagen to study with Janet Atwood um to d become a mastery of self-love facilitator this was a number of years ago and janet atwood and byron katie are very close janet always uses uh byron katie's work and i remember i was i had been in um i'd been in session all day uh learning how to facilitate this new thing and um at the time i had just been through kind of a painful breakup and I remember when Janet was talking about Byron Katie's The Work in the room, and she said, pain is just a feeling asking to be felt. Mm. Oh, I like that. And it was so, it just hit me in the moment. Pain is just a feeling asking to be felt. And we, we do everything I think we can to avoid pain. Um, and later that year, I was interviewing someone about mindfulness, this guy actually called Chade Meng Tan, who created the mindfulness program for Google. And he said that the suffering is not in the pain. The suffering lies in the avoidance of the action or the avoidance of feeling the pain. And so that night in Copenhagen, 
I sat in my room and I thought to myself, if pain is just a feeling asking to be felt, I'm going to see how courageous I'm willing to be with allowing myself to feel this pain. And I sort of closed my eyes, kind of in a meditative state, and I thought to myself, how, how deeply can I lean into this pain? And I honestly remember having the feeling, and this is why I know that it's such a fear, I believe it's such a fear for so many of us, oh my God, what if I allow myself to feel this pain and then I can never get out? Or like I fall into a pit of pain and it's all I ever feel ever again. Like I had these irrational type thoughts happening. Anyway, I persisted with the feeling of this pain. And um, what I noticed was after some period of time, and I don't know how long that was, it subsided. Mm. It was like it, it moved through me. Um, and so that is, I, I think that all of these tools that we talk about, and I know you shared earlier, Kathleen, this like, um, you know, this in intellectualization yeah. of, of a felt experience. And I think the tools are so good and powerful and they have their place. And I also believe that there's a space for allowing ourselves to be with the feeling before we choose yeah. to release it. And sometimes I think it's essential to allow ourselves to be with the feeling before we release it. Um, yeah. And, and, um, I, and I, then, sorry, sorry, you go. I, I just had this vision of a screen door, you know, it keeps the bugs out of the house, but allows the wind to flow through and and just allowing the the feelings to flow through without the i don't know the bugs I, i'm gonna have to work on the metaphor but that's what i was i saw in my mind the screen door of like letting it flow through letting the air flow letting the emotion flow and and be curious to say oh what's that about wow oh and then oh i didn't die and and, and i felt it and um and maybe something bad happened, but not super bad. I, I, I think I do think the the denying of our our emotions. I, I mean, I've stuffed stuff down for so long in my past that it's like it would pop up in the most inopportune times, like mm. in front of people, in meetings, <laughs> in relationships. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why I think we said when we put this together, it's like, you know, how could a lack of forgiveness be a part of what's getting in your way of creating what you really want in your yeah. life? Yeah. And, the, and the truth is that it's not, we don't live in a society where it's appropriate for us to necessarily in, in the moment feel the thing that, that needs to be felt by us organically. So it's like, maybe we don't have the people around us who are willing to support that. Maybe it's an inappropriate environment. You know, maybe we grew up in a household. I can just remember when I was a kid, anytime anything bad happened or I fell over, my mom would say, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and she was just being a good, sweet, kind mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, wants me to be okay. But also there's a part of that that's like learning, okay, don't feel what you're feeling. Think about something else. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so other tools that I love, um, I tend to have a rule for those things that we've stuffed, because I do think that's why I said, I think you can have a proactive approach to forgiveness. So it's like, the rule is, if you're thinking about, you know, oh, I want to write 10 things down that are up for me to forgive. And as I think back over the past week, past month, past year, if it comes up, it comes out. That's my rule about it. So if there's enough of a charge around something for me to have the thought, mm -hmm. then it gets written down on a page. And um, I think there's everything from those little things um, that we carry with us, which is like millions of tiny drops in a bucket end up filling the bucket up. And um, then obviously we have the bigger things that we carry with us. Um, and I love for the for the smaller things, I do love the Ho'oponopono prayer, the Hawaiian prayer. Uh, I am sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And I find that um, focusing on the thing, allowing myself to be with the feeling, the hurt, the pain, saying the prayer for those smaller things has been very, very effective when I'm trying to do my general spring clean of the house. Um, and um, what do you do when you're washing down the baseboards? Like, <laughs> you gotta go, you know, that's just the light. When oh. it's time to move the couch <laughs> and dry clean the curtains and wash down the baseboards, you know, on my hands and knees with a scrubbing brush, I will go to Byron Katie's The Work. And the other one that I love is Colin Tipping's Radical Forgiveness. He also has a worksheet. Um, there have been times in the past when I haven't been ready to do the work mm -hmm. on something. Yeah. And I have found an easier access point through um, Colin, Colin. And you guys can Google any of these things if you're interested. Yeah. So Byron Katie's is Judge your neighbor is her worksheet and Colin Tipping's is Colin, Colin Tipping's radical forgiveness. Um, and if you ever want to listen to the work in action, um, I highly recommend loving what is as an audio book yeah. because yeah. it is Byron Katie taking all of these different people with different, totally different scenarios, but very, very deep, uh, things that they've been carrying and having her do the work with them. And it's really profound to listen to and, and kind of think about it as it relates to your own challenges. So, so sort of the, the headline here is uh, forgiveness is really for us. And when we choose to forgive, it could be an ongoing process that could pop up at any time that we might get reminded that, oh, there's still work to be done. Um, well, forgiving someone doesn't make what they did okay in a sense of um, it's erased. We don't necessarily have to have that person in our life. Compassion, um, and this is just my summary, is really just, I just see my heart being so open and warm around someone. And, and it's so loving and wonderful because I don't feel like I have to do anything. And that's, I've gotten to that moment I'm coaching some people right now that I'm just like in love with because I just feel so connected and, 
And um, yeah, I offer suggestions and have you thought about this or that, but just so much like, God, we're, we're, I feel I've had this feeling and you're going to be okay. Um, so that's for me, compassion is that, again, my aspirational value. Um, and one, one thing I was thinking about, and you can wrap with whatever you want to say is if you're in a situation that you're really triggered and it may require forgiveness, it may require compassion and you're not quite there. Um, pretend you are and say, what would I do? How would I behave in this situation if I actually tapped into compassion and how would I address this moment I'm in right now? If you can get above it, it's hard getting above it. How would I address it right now? If I was to activate my value of forgiveness, what would look different about this exchange? And you might be able to just kind of pull the edge back and it might look like putting up a boundary and it might look like just holding space, whatever it looks like. But if you can imagine it, you can work towards it. Maybe not that time, but you might one time get closer to being able to see it in the moment as it happens and then just ease into sort of this sense of this person is just a guy, you know, like no one is one thing. That's my wrap. What do you mm. I think everything you said, and I think it has been quite profound for me to consider that all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that is kind of, of course, a miracle's take on forgiveness. And um, we, we want to kind of project outside of ourselves and make everything about the other uh, externalize. Um, but every time I have really given myself the space to be with something that has been deeply hurtful, challenging to me, I generally speaking find, in addition to compassion for the other, as I should have known better. Mm. I should have seen the signs. Mm -hmm. I should have told someone. Mm -hmm. I should have spoken up. I should never have put myself in that position. I have all these yeah. things and my anger is directed towards this other person. But if I really look at it, a lot of that lack of forgiveness is really directed towards yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that really and, That's good. You smart. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm in good company. <laughs> yeah, I, um, hmm. yeah, so I think when we're willing to forgive and we're willing to forgive ourselves. We create this liberation. There's a lightness that occurs. It's like times when I have been willing to go there. It's someone took 500 pounds off my um, weight off my back of like imaginary weight. Yeah. And suddenly by freeing up that space, that energetic space, 
some new things have emerged, ideas, relationships, yeah. things, there's space for things to emerge. Because I would love for a little bit of the takeaway here today, hopefully to be like, we get to choose, we get to release ourselves from these chains that bind us to these difficult and challenging problems. We get to be liberated, free, light. And most of all, we get to forgive ourselves um, and accept in that acceptance, you know? Our, I think there's a lot of peace in that self-forgiveness and acceptance. In, in our humanity of it all, like, um, it feels exciting that this is possible uh, for all of us, you know, and, and many people have were, had different things happen to them and in their lives, but we all know, we all have situations that, that require or could benefit from forgiveness. Um, yeah. So that was fun. I always get a new insight when I talk to you. I enjoy these uh, live on airs. Uh, these are same, same. Uh, these are just an idea, and, uh, and we don't script it. We have a couple of things we might want to say. But we don't script it, but we appreciate you coming. And those of you watching this later, we've had a really good feedback uh, on doing these. And I I would like you to pay attention uh, to your email. Uh, we do have formal master classes, and um, they're more directed at the, the they they work in any space, but really the leadership space. Um, but leadership is a behavior, not a role. We're all leaders in our life. But our next uh, masterclass is more formal, and it's um, the Massively Human's Leader Guide to Using Clarity in an Uncertain World. We've talked about clarity and uncertainty in one of our live on airs, and this is putting more structure, uh, some more actionable, sort of tangible steps to that. But uh, what's our next live on airs topic? Uh, I love that you ask, and I do have it written down somewhere, yeah, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can't remember what it is. It's probably something very profound. But um, thanks everybody for showing up, and and we love your feedback. And um, and again, if you want us to ramble on a topic, throw them our way. We'll. I'm sure I'll have many opinions. <laughs> anyway, um, thank, you. thank you, Kathleen. This was wonderful. And um, thank you, everyone, for being here with us. Thanks, everyone. Loved your comments.